Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. You guys, I'm not even kidding. I just sat down at this computer to record this intro without for a single second thinking about what I was going to say. My entire day has been so just shot because this morning the Jonas Brothers announced that they were doing five shows at a Broadway theater in three weeks from now. So literally my phone has been blowing up with my Jonas group chats and we're all just trying to figure out like how do we get into these shows there's only like 1500 seats in the venue so there's only 7500 seats total for all five nights and how do we get tickets and what happens if we can't go and if we only get a certain number of tickets who do we take and it's just been a journey and as excited as I am about the possibility of going anyone who is like a stan of any artist band anything you guys know how stressful the ticket process is and how much of a bloodbath it is. So we are going to sit tight and wait and see what happens. We registered for the fan presale, but um, if anyone has a hookup, let your girl know. Help me out here. Um, half kidding. Maybe not kidding at all, but very exciting. They had a new song come out today. This is not a Jonas Brothers podcast. I promise I'll shut up in a second, but just very exciting. In other news, I have been getting so much incredible feedback about the Seeing Other People Mindset Wellness Dating Survival Pack, and it is literally lighting me up and making me so happy. For those who don't know what that is, I teamed up with Mindset Wellness CBD to create the first product ever designed to actually alleviate your dating anxiety. And I go way back with Mindset Wellness CBD. I started taking their happy gummies before a date to kind of shake off those nerves and put me in the best mood to just be my best self on my dates. And then the second I would get home from my dates, I would take a calm gummy to kind of close the door on even beginning to let myself overthink and just say, nope, I'm going to be calm. I'm going to not freak the fuck out about what just happened on this date. I'm not going to overthink. I'm not going to spiral and I'm just going to be calm. And the happy and calm gummies completely transformed my dating life and helped me in a way take back my dating life away from my dating anxiety that had just been so crippling. And so I teamed up with the brand, my wellness to actually create this dating survival pack. It has 10 happy gummies in it to take before your dates and 10 com gummies to take after your dates. And it is available now on mindsetwellness.com. So I hope you guys love it. I've been hearing such amazing things and it really makes me so, so, so happy. There is a discount code always for any mindset products. You can use code seeing other people for 20% off. I'm so excited that these are out and that you guys are able to get your hands on them and that they are already helping so many of you take back your dating life and kick that dating anxiety out the door. So check it out. I hope you love them as much as I do. One thing I need to address and... I told Jake I was going to have to talk about this on the pod and he like didn't argue, but we were about to go to bed the other night and he gets a text from one of his best friends, like one of his best friends from home texts him. And in response to something that Jake texted him, like Jake texted his friend and his friend responds out of nowhere and just says, yo, I'm popping the question tomorrow. And he goes, oh my God, he's proposing tomorrow. I'm like, what did you know this? He's like, no, he just told me like, and I'm like, oh my God. And I just start cracking up because guys and girls are a different species. There is nothing that we have in common. Like, yo, I'm popping the question tomorrow. What the fuck is that? How are you not like telling your friends what's going on and like freaking out about it and hyping it all up? Like, 
Meanwhile, like that girl was probably sitting there for months with her friends being like, oh, my God, like, is he doing it this time? Is he doing it that time? Like, they're all probably freaking out, trying to get to the bottom of when he's doing it. Meanwhile, he hasn't even told his friends until the night before and just presents the information as, yo, I'm popping the question tomorrow. Anywho, I just cracked up and was like, that is the funniest representation of how fundamentally different men and women are. And I needed to share. So I'd love to hear more stories about that from you guys about how you found out that your friends were either proposing or getting engaged or any, any big news. I think it's so funny just getting into the nuances of how different men and women are. It really brings me joy and laughs. We have such an exciting episode today. I could not be more excited and honored to have Sabrina Bendori on the podcast. Sabrina is the author of You're Overthinking It and previous book, 10 Things Every Woman Needs to Know About Men. Sabrina shares insights into what men really want, red flags that you should never ignore, and how we can stop overthinking. We are going to discuss how to stop obsessing over someone early on, whether or not you should date multiple people at a time, mistakes that we make in our dating lives. And we're going to answer the question, which has kind of been like a viral question lately. Do men marry the woman in front of them when they're ready? You guys, I love this episode so much, and I know you are going to be just as obsessed with it as I am. I can't wait for you to hear it. Make sure you are following along at Seeing Other People. Please, please, please leave a five-star rating and review if you love the podcast and have not yet. It goes such a long way and means the world. And if you ever have questions that you want me to ask our expert guests, please make sure you are submitting those. There is a Google form in the link in my bio on Instagram at Seeing Other People where you can submit all the questions that you want with all the detail that you want, and we can get you all the answers that you need. I'm so excited. Let's bring Sabrina in. All right. We are here. Sabrina Vendori, welcome to Seeing Other People. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited and I'm so excited for our conversation and just for everything that you put out there. Like, I feel like we are very like-minded, but you have such a great way of taking really complicated points and making them like really digestible. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate hearing that. I've, I've been at this for a long time now. Yes, you have. So you guys, Sabrina is the author of You're Overthinking It, which is Find Lifelong Love by Being Your True Self. And you're also the author of another book, 10 Things Every Woman Needs to Know About Men. Yes. <laughs> which I definitely like, I can't ignore that. Like, we're going to have to talk about that in oh, this conversation. Sure. <laughs> Um, I would love to hear how you got into this. Like, why did you decide to become a relationship expert? Is that something you decided or did you kind of fall into it? What is your like origin story? Okay, well, I will make it as brief as possible because this story could be like my next book onto itself. Maybe it will be. I always loved writing. That was always my thing. And I was always interested in human behavior. And when I was in college, I double majored in English and psychology. And I was like, I want to write about people. Like, that's what I want as a job. I'm like old. So this is a long time ago. And the only jobs like doing what I wanted, it would have been getting a job at like a magazine, like Cosmo or Glamour. There was no other options. So when I graduated, I started writing for different fashion blogs, but I'm like, I really just want to write about people. So I decided to just start my own blog. I started it with an ex-boyfriend, actually. This was actually really funny. Um, I, it was a horrible breakup. I write about it all the time. Like this was one of my like defining breakups and I was still stuck on him two years later And in that time, I'd become like pretty savvy about how to get male attention and, you know, feel empowered because I had always felt so disempowered in my relationships with men. I always felt like I was chasing, I was trying to win them over. So I had gotten back in touch with him after two years of not speaking. And I was like, 
like such an idiot. I was like telling him about like how all these guys were after me and all these guys wanted me. And I was trying to make him jealous. And he was like, you need to write about this and teach other women how to do this. I'm like, okay, that's not where I thought this was going to go. That's not why I came to you to (laughs) not humble brag about all of this. That's so funny. So we ended up becoming business partners. And then in the beginning, I was just writing about fashion and beauty because I was young. I was 22. Like, what do I know about life? Like, what do I know about men? What do I know about anything? So I was writing about fashion and beauty. He would do a weekly Ask a Guy column and I would edit it. And Oh wait, I have to go back to before, even before that, before I got back in touch with him, I had a male roommate. He was subletting for my roommate temporarily. And at the time I was dating this guy and I thought it was going well. And then he ghosted me. And then he called me by accident thinking that I was the new girl that he had started hooking up with. And like, as soon as I realized it, he hung up on me. I never heard from him again. And right as soon as like he hung up on me, my male roommate comes through the door with his friends. And they're like, come on, Sabrina, get ready. Like, we're going out. We're going to go have fun. And I was like, no, no, you guys don't understand. Like, I was just dumped, like, in the craziest way. And they're like, all right, whatever. Get over it. Like, get dressed. Let's go out. I'm like, no, I need to stay in and be really sad about this and, like, cry to my girlfriends. They're like, okay, let's make a deal. We are – tell us what happened. We're going to explain everything to you. And then after that, you're not allowed to talk about this the rest of the night. And I'm like, you guys aren't going to be able to explain this. It's so complicated. They're like, okay, try us. So I sit down. I tell them what happened. And point by point, they broke it down for me in a way my girlfriends never could and never would because they were telling me things that I didn't want to hear. They were like, oh, you look way too desperate. Like, he, you didn't hear from him for a few days, and then he called you at 3 in the morning, and you went running over there? Like, what's the matter with you? Of course he had no respect for you. Whereas, like, my girlfriends would have been like, oh, it, it wasn't you. You were great. You're amazing. He's a narcissist. He's a jerk. So they gave it to me straight, and after that, I felt better. And I was like, this is what the world needs. Like, the world needs to hear or the women of the world and the gay men, I don't know, needs to understand how men operate from the men themselves. And so then when I got back in touch with Eric, my ex, I was like, that was, that was mission number one. I was like, okay, like if we're going to do this, if I'm going to write about, you know, how women can be empowered and be good at relationships, we also need you to do like a weekly ask a guy column where you're explaining how men think and why they act the way they do. So that's like the origin of that. (laughs) And it started with a website and that we started in 2009 and then I had a YouTube channel. And now I'm not working with Eric anymore. And because of, you know, the success I've had on social media and I'm now working for myself and just sharing, sharing everything I've learned along the way in the last 14 years. It is so wild how that all unfolded, but it makes sense. And I couldn't agree more with your point of like girls, like when we ask our girlfriends for feedback, they're, trying to like coddle our emotions. Like they want us to feel okay. And to be Mm -hmm. reminded, we're great. Like we're perfect. We didn't do anything wrong. And like the fact of the matter is like, yeah, we do shit wrong all the time. And even ways that are not serving us and are not going to encourage somebody to want to date us. And I think it is so important to put that out there and to actually get in the brain of a guy or a guy similar to the type of guy you're trying to date and figure out what they're thinking because we think so differently than men do. Absolutely. And I think sometimes with my content, people will get upset when I'm like, okay, these are the things that you're doing that are too desperate. And they're like, why is it the girl's fault? Why are you calling out the girls? I'm like, because I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to make you cry and feel sad about yourself. Sometimes we blame the guy and I do plenty of that. Like these are the types of guys you should stay away from. These are the types of guys you should avoid. But sometimes we also need to look at ourselves and 
think about what we're bringing to the table, what we're bringing to the interaction, because it's not necessarily true that, oh, just, just be yourself. The right person will love you no matter what. Be yourself, but be your best self. Don't let your, yeah. your worst qualities just steal the show here and override your best self. So that's all I'm saying. And most people hear the message, but sometimes it just, it hits on a pain point for people because they're like, but I, I don't want to, I want to just blame them. It's easier to just blame the guy and say that they're the problem, right. you know, instead of saying it's me, I'm the problem. Right. And and it's not to say that the guys are completely innocent either. Like we no, all make all. mistakes and we all can be better and can figure out who we are and what's important to us and what we value before trying to find that in somebody else. And I think yeah. that's like a huge thing that it comes back to. Absolutely. I want to get into your overthinking it and talk all about overthinking. But before we do that, can you summarize or share your top things on your list of 10 things every woman needs to know about men? Oh my gosh, my top things. Okay. The first, and it always comes back to this, is that more than anything, men need to feel like winners in the world. And this, once you really get this, it will change the way you you operate in relationships. Because men are not like women. When it comes to relationships, most of the time, most women can almost always make space. It doesn't matter if we're having emotional issues, financial issues, we're trying to figure out our career. When women are like a bowl of water, you put your finger in the bowl of water, there's always going to be room. Men are like a brick wall. If he is not in a space where he feels like I'm on top of my game. I have my life together. I know where I'm going in life. I have direction. He's a brick wall. You're not going to get through. You could be the most amazing woman in the entire world. So a man needs to feel like he is winning at life. He needs to feel like he's winning at making you happy. He needs to, it doesn't necessarily mean he's making millions of dollars. Like that's not even what it's about. It's about, he needs to feel like he has some direction in his life. The next is how vital it is for men to feel appreciated, like deep appreciation for who they are. And that's hard for a lot of women because we get so caught up in our own experience of the relationship of how does he feel about me? What is he thinking? Why didn't I hear from him all day? What's going on with him? Why is he acting like this? Rather than thinking, okay, like how, how is his experience in the relationship? How am I making him feel? Obviously, you know, it, it goes both ways here. Another one of the biggies is that when a guy likes you, it's obvious. I, I don't, I should get that phrase like tattooed on my forehead. I don't have much, yeah. but if I did, that would be my, my number one because that's day in and day out. I just got questions for the, for over a decade now of like, but I don't get it. He said he liked me, but then he disappeared. And then he said he doesn't want a relationship, but he still wants to hang out. And he, you know, it, you don't have to ask the question when a guy really likes you. When a guy likes you and he's in a place where he wants to commit to you. Guys are not trying to hide interest. They're not trying to trick you or delude you. Maybe there are people like that out there, but they're they're very rare and they're very sinister. We don't want to be involved with those people anyway. Most guys are pretty, they're not, a guy is not going to just miss out on the opportunity to be with a girl he likes if presented with it. So I think those are actually three chapters in the book. And those are, I think, the three most essential. Yeah, Going back to the first one, that's something I had to learn the hard way where it's like he needs to be feel established, like feel like he's winning. Like, I mm -hmm. can't tell you how many guys I dated where they were like, I like you. And if I was going to date anybody, it would be you. But yeah. I'm not where I want to be in my career right now. Or like, I have to work hard for the next five years before I can like think about having a relationship. And I'm like, well, if you liked me enough, like if you liked me the way you said you liked me or the way you act like you like me, then like, why can't like, why don't you just want somebody there as your cheerleader and your support system? Right. Like, I also want to, right. 
That makes like, me feel like a loser. That's why. <laughs> but like, cause, cause from, I couldn't wrap my head around that concept. Cause for me, I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to have somebody I love being there through the hard times and the journey and like experiencing it all together. Like mm-hmm. I could not wrap my head around that, but I, I think there is so much truth to your point. And you know, even my boyfriend, Jake and I, we've been together for over two years now. Like we always say like, had we met six months earlier, we probably wouldn't have worked out. Cause be like, he was kind of like not loving where he was in his career. I was not happy with where I was in my career. And we both met a month after starting new jobs where we both felt so much better. I mean, my new job was me working for myself, but he started working at a new company with this like amazing position. And he just felt so much better and more stable than where he was six months before. Absolutely. I mean, the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. I mean, I'm sure yeah. if you watch my content, you know, like I married my ex-boyfriend from high school and for 11 years, every few years we would run into each other. I always wanted to date him again and he never had any desire to date me. And this comes down to a few things. One is that, I mean, he wasn't in the right place in his life. He had many years of exploring, figuring himself out, getting to the right place. And I was also for a very long time, that disempowered, needy, desperate type of woman. And it took me a while to figure out how to get out of that. And a lot of it was just deep-seated wounds and old traumas that I never faced. And it was really, it wasn't until I really dove in there and dealt with myself, then all of a sudden he can't explain it. People ask me all the time, they're like, why did he all after 11 years finally decide he wanted to date you again? I asked him, he's like, I have no idea. I just did. And it was a combination of his life was in order and I, my life was in order. And once you're both in that emotionally healthy place. It just kind of comes together so seamlessly. And and it feels so much more right. Like mm-hmm. I feel like people get so caught up and like you have to fight for love, Ugh. but yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. Like, yes, of course, there are going to be things you disagree on. Like there are going to be times where you butt heads, but it should kind of be pretty easy, especially in the beginning. Yes, yes, yes. I say that all the time, 100%. I think it's also like we've been misled because of like movies and TV, you know, like the notebook wouldn't have been that interesting if like they were of the same social, you know, in the same social class and they had, you know, some moderate interests that like built over time. Instead, it's there's the obstacles and the fights and the, and this and the mom was hiding the letters and there's so many things to overcome and you fight for it and you fight for it. So we think that, oh, no, no, it's supposed to be a struggle. Like that that's the real love stories are built with struggle. No, that's, that's Hollywood. That's not real love. A, a mentor of mine always says, she's like, love should feel like home, not Hollywood. I, and I love, love that, that so is, much. The drama, you need the conflict, but like home just feels like I'm at peace. This is where I'm meant to be. Yeah, 1000%. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to get into overthinking and anxiety because I have a lot of anxious single people listening to oh, this yes. episode right now. You talk a lot about this concept of like, it's not necessarily the things that happen to us, but it's our interpretation of the things that happen that determine how much we suffer, how much like pain we're feeling. And I think that is like the perfect way to describe what overthinking does to us. Mm -hmm. But how do we stop that habit? How do we tell ourselves a different story than this one that we're creating in our head? How can we get out of our head and just look at the facts? 
That's a great question. So I'll share how I did it in my relationship with Eric, who I started my first business with. He, he cheated on me and he left me for the girl that he cheated on me with. And I was young when this happened. I was 20, 21. So I was at, you know, a very vulnerable place in my life. And the story that I told myself was, I'm not good enough. This girl was better than me. And the guys that I really like are never going to like me back in the same way. And I didn't challenge that. And in looking back, I kept repeating that same pattern of going for guys that seemed uninterested and trying to win them over because that would validate me. And I didn't stop for a very long time. Like, and what happens when you don't stop and challenge the narrative Those beliefs get wired in and now it's part of your story and you take it with you. Instead, anybody who has experienced a painful breakup, I I want you to stop and challenge it. Just challenge the narrative. Okay, so I, why do I feel, you know, what do I think went wrong in this relationship? Well, I wasn't good enough. I was unworthy. I'm an unworthy loser and people are always going to leave me. Is that true? Can you know a hundred percent that that's true? No, you can't. So then ask yourself, Why am I choosing to believe a story that hurts me, that's going to prevent me from getting what I ultimately want in life? And also just entertain the possibility that you're wrong. Maybe you want to be like, no, Sabrina, no, that's, this is why it happened because I'm unworthy, I'm a loser and blah, blah, blah. Okay. But maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Just say that it's as simple as that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this happens, the relationship fell apart because he's not the right person for me. And that's fine. Okay. Like he left me for someone else. He found his person. I'll find my person. Isn't that so much better? Doesn't that just feel so much better? That's, that's inspiring almost because you feel like, okay, great. Good. He found his person. I'm going to find mine. And I'm happy. I'm grateful that I'm no longer in a relationship with somebody who's not right for me. Like this is good news. This is a good thing. So you have to shift your perspective. Don't allow your insecurities and your worried thoughts and your subconscious mind to overtake your your ability to to see a situation for what it truly was yeah and I love that point about you know they're just not your person and and they found their person and you'll find yours it's like I wish that when we're going through heartbreak we could like zoom out 500 feet and just like look down on the situation be like oh like we just weren't a fit Like we actually just weren't meant to be. And that means that there's somebody that much better out there for both of us. And we will find that person. person. We're one step closer now to finding that person because this relationship that wasn't working out, that wasn't serving us ended. And let's do what we need to do. Let's heal. Let's move on, get back out there and then find that person. And I, I wish, like, I wish I could go back in time and shake myself and, and tell myself like, you are deserving of love and you didn't do anything wrong and you're not crazy and you might feel crazy, but you don't need to, you don't need to convince yourself that this is all because of you or because you're not good enough. Right. Right. And if you do those things, you have to, you have to challenge that as well. Where does it come from? Why don't I feel good enough? What, what were my needs that were missing like what needs weren't being fulfilled as a child always start there it always goes back to childhood what about my formative years how did the guys treat me how did I interpret that maybe you went through like an ugly duckling phase in middle school and you internalized the idea that I'm unworthy and unlovable and these types of guys aren't going to like me you have to look back and look at what is the source where did this come from and challenge it because back then you, you created a certain you created these beliefs and you created a whole system in place to protect you because you didn't have the skills to deal with it. So you may have created this like 
protector part of you that a lot of us still carry like you know into our adult relationships the protector can manifest in some people as being too picky a lot of women think i just have standards no sometimes you're too picky you're writing people off because you're scared of being rejected you're scared of being hurt so you're like I don't know, his hairline's like a few inches too far back. And I don't know, because he like ordered his drink awkwardly at the restaurant. I mean, the things that I hear people say, they're like, I don't know if I could be with someone who's like, can be socially awkward. I'm like, okay, are you perfectly not socially awkward at every single moment? Exactly. (laughs) And a lot of the times that is your protector. She's coming in. A lot of the times you can feel that, that loud voice almost like step in and sabotage you in certain ways. And it really just comes down to fear. And so you have to challenge where does it come from? Where is this stemming from? Yeah, I love the examples you gave of like the hairline and being mm-hmm. awkward and stuff. And and it reminds me just of like how popular and almost like buzzwordy like red flags and icks have become. Yeah. And it drives me crazy because people are just getting rid of, getting rid of is not the right way, but you know what I mean? Like just yeah. like, getting rid of like saying no to or closing the door on people who are completely eligible and maybe like a great potential partner, but they wore socks with their sandals one time or their shorts were an inch too short or long or like these stupid little things that do not whatsoever represent their character. Absolutely. And this is, it's so interesting because we sabotage ourselves in two opposing ways almost. One way you could be is by going after the emotionally unavailable men, which I see that all the time. So women are like, oh, like, no, I'm not too picky. I I have the capacity to like love deeply because I was obsessed with this person. Meanwhile, the guys who do show interest, she's kind of picking them apart and like writing them off for silly reasons. And it's like, okay, because you're emotionally unavailable and you need to address that. And we feel like, no, I'm not emotionally available because I want love. I desperately want love. But those are two ways we completely sabotage ourselves. One is by clinging so desperately to someone who doesn't want what we want. And the other is pushing away someone who does want the same kind of relationship we want for silly, insignificant things. Because a lot of us don't have that real clarity of what is it that we want. We don't have that clear picture of what sort of relationship do I want? What sort of partner do I need? Yeah. Instead, we kind of let our emotions and really our, our subconscious mind and our fears and our trauma, all of that leads us to be drawn to certain people. And we don't challenge why that is. We just feel I, like, okay, the heart wants what it wants. I mean, follow my heart wherever it leads me. Even if it leads me to the depths, the most toxic relationships, <laughs> uh, that's that's what my heart wants. So I need to make it work with yep. this guy. Even if it leads me to rock fucking bottom. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I know I'm on my way to rock bottom, but I want to make it work so badly that I will just hop on, strap in, put my seatbelt on and enjoy the ride. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. Because again, like that's what we've been told. You have to fight for love and love is hard. And yeah. I, I see it all the time. And that's why the most important thing to do is to identify what are your actual must-haves, like actual yeah. set in stone must-haves. What are your deal breakers, your hardline deal breakers? So funny, I, I do coaching and a lot of the sessions are ex back. Like people want their ex-boyfriend back. And we always start with this. I'm always like, okay, what are your must-haves? What are your deal breakers? And they'll realize that the ex that they're trying to get back together with has like none of the must-haves and all the deal breakers. So I'm like, what, what are we even doing here? Like, yep. what, what is this? You know? And they're like, oh, you're right. So then the session shifts to, okay, let's, how do we move on from this so that you can actually find what you want? 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. On the topic of red flags, you have listed red flags you should never ignore. And Mm -hmm. I really like your list. And here's why. I'm a firm believer that everybody has different red flags that they're giving off, of course, but red flags, like what I think are a red flag in somebody you might not think. And so to have like one list of like, here are the red flags. That's like, this is a universal list. I usually am like, no, like just because a red flag is a red flag for you doesn't mean it's a red flag for me. But your list of red flags is realistic and logical and they're, for us to protect ourselves and they're not superficial things. So I would love to hear about those. Sure. The number one red flag of all is somebody who can't take responsibility. Somebody who says, who will never accept responsibility for a fight or any issue in the relationship. And if you're upset, it's because you're too sensitive. It's your fault. That is the biggest thing to watch out for. Another one is that you feel like you can't just be. You feel like you're walking on eggshells. You feel like at any minute, the the rug could be pulled out from under you. Because that's not the, the beauty and the benefit of a relationship is just being able to be, to just feel comfortable being your authentic self. Like it's home, not Hollywood. And somebody who, you know, you can't have that with. Also another one of my, one of my red flags is someone who is not growth oriented. Like that's a really important thing to look for in a partner. I, I think that you have to take someone as they are right now, but obviously nobody's ever in a finalized finished state. There's never like a, like, you're not going to cross some finish line, but as long as someone's growth oriented, you know that we can get through anything together. I see a lot of women with guys who are like, you know, struggling and having mental health issues. And I'm like, really? Like, does he have a therapist? Does he have a coach? Does he have an anything? No, no, he doesn't believe in that stuff. Oh, he doesn't believe in that stuff. Okay. So that's so not then, an excuse. Exactly. It's not an excuse. Cause, and then what happens is a codependent dynamic takes hold where she's being his therapist and she's being his like business coach, filling out his resume, applying to jobs for him. And she's the one doing all of this. And the woman mistakenly thinks that, oh, doing all of this, it, it owes me something. It owes me his love and his loyalty. That's not what happens. Because as we discussed earlier, men need to feel like winners. And by doing all this, she's making him feel like a loser. She's treating, it creates like a mother-son dynamic. And that's not sexy. He feels like, oh, she sees me for like the loser that I am. And he feels pathetic. And then when he finds some other girl who doesn't know about, you know, how or a pathetic loser he is, to start all over with, he'll drop her and he'll go to the new girl. And I see that happen all the time. So that's another thing. Like he needs to be an adult, a grown man. He needs to take responsibility for himself and his life and be growth oriented. And if you have that, even if he's not where he wants to be yet in life, as long as he is somebody who's motivated and who's willing to accept that, accept responsibility for the things that he needs to work on in himself, then you're off to like a good starting, starting point. Also really important, like I mean, red flags. I don't remember if this is in the red flags or if this is like the qualities to look for, but one thing I talk about a lot is like, you have to have fundamental compatibility. Nobody talks about that. We just get so wrapped up in like the chemistry and how explosive it is. That's not going to sustain you through a lifetime. If you want to have a lasting partnership with someone, that's what you're after. You need to have a baseline level of fundamental compatibility. You can't survive off of chemistry alone. What does that look like? What should people be looking out for in terms of fundamental compatibility? So that's something that really varies based on what you value. So you need a sense of what you value. For some people, 
politics is really important. And they could never be with somebody who's not on the same page as them politically. Now, maybe sometimes this could get canceled out because, oh, the chemistry and the sex is so good. So we don't need to think about that. No, that's going to cause problems for you if this is important to you. Religion is important for some people. It's not important to other people. Some people will only live in a city. Some people are like, I hate the city. I can only live in the middle of nowhere. Some people want to have a lot of kids. Some people want to have one kid. You have to have a sense of your, some people want to, okay, live a life that's modest and put a lot of money away in the bank. Other people are like, no, carpe diem, let's travel. We have our money, let's spend it. Like these things matter. These things, this is your life. This is who you're sharing your life with. So you need to have a sense of yourself and what you value and what is actually important to me. And don't delude yourself into thinking, oh, that's not really that important. When really it is because it's going to come up later maybe in the initial attraction infatuation stage you could feel like oh that's not so important it's always going to come back around so that's why you have to be self-aware you have to know what it is that matters I am constantly mind blown at the number of emails and dms I get from people about I know that I want kids I met this incredible person they know that they do not want kids can we make this work or how long can, should we like continue dating and having fun before like we really discuss it? And it's like, stop right there. You're done. That's not your person. And, and pretending that you can make it work or putting it off until later, you're only going to get so much more hurt. And so if there is something like that, that you know Mm -hmm. is so important to you and you're not going to compromise on, don't waste your time. Exactly. And that's another one that I see also. I think we have this idea that love conquers all. I think in the book, I also have a whole, I do, I have a whole section on like misconceptions about love. And like, this is love isn't enough. enough. It's not. It's, it's not enough. And we think, oh, he loves me enough. Then he'll decide that he wants to have babies or then he'll, you know, religion will suddenly be important to him. It's not people. You can't change for someone else. You have to change because you want to change and you can't hold on to that magical thinking. You have to take someone as they are. And if you're going to commit to this person, you need to be okay with the fact that they might never change. This might never change. Can you live with that? If not, you need to leave. Are you willing to compromise? Are you willing to say, okay, fine, no babies. Is that a sacrifice you're willing to make? If it's not, then what are you doing here? Like, this is your time. This is your youth. Move on. And and if you're trying to convince yourself, like, okay, no, I can, I can budge on this. Like, I don't need kids. Like, if you are trying that hard to convince yourself, like, you really have to question, like, am I being honest right now? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to fast forward 10 years and suddenly you're so unhappy. This isn't the life you wanted. And you now resent them for being the reason that you don't have these things that you want or that your values were pushed aside. Absolutely. That's why before you even go on the date, get clear on the must-haves, on the deal breakers. Find either a mentor or a dating coach or a good friend or family member you trust and talk to that person and say, okay, this is my must-haves and deal breaker list. What do you think? Do you like you know me well? Do you think that this is this makes sense? Yeah. And have that person hold you accountable so that when you are dating someone, make sure that you don't don't hide and be secretive. I remember my friends, anytime it would be a while since I heard from a friend, like if like a friend of I was dating someone and they like disappeared I'm like this is not a good relationship and she knows that I'm gonna call her out and so she's hiding from me and every time I would see like I would get like a text or a phone call from them I'm like oh okay so now now they're having problems and she wants to know what to do ding ding so ding consistent. yep exactly <laughs> because, so, so we know the truth we know the truth most of the time we just don't want to admit it if you're omitting details about your relationship when you talk to your friends or your family okay like 
that's a red flag right there. Why? Why don't you think? Because you feel like, but they wouldn't really understand. Anytime you say that, it's like, that's another red flag. Like anytime you're saying to yourself, I would tell them, but like, but they, they just wouldn't get it. Oh, really? Like they wouldn't get it. You're no, you're just deluding yourself because you know that they're going to tell you the truth that you don't want to hear. Yeah. I mean, I was in a, a really unhealthy and, and toxic relationship and my friends would outright say to me, like, we don't like, we don't think you're okay. Like we're yeah. here. We don't like how he treats you. And I would just be like, no, you guys have it all wrong. Everything is amazing. You just don't see how he treats me when it's just mm-hmm. us. And it's like, mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like how did I let that happen? Oh, but I, I wanted I so think. badly for it to work that yeah. I like convinced myself that like anyone who said anything otherwise was wrong because mm-hmm. they didn't know the whole story. And that you know, yes, it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Right. And no, it wasn't. Right. Like literally, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and the sooner you can almost like stop lying to yourself, Mm -hmm. the more heartache you'll save. And think about it, like the whole time that you're with the wrong person, that is time that is not being spent finding the right person. Yes, yes, that's key. That is crucial. It's crucial. And I I mean, so many of us just waste, waste so much time. And this also, it impacts us. It has a measurable impact on our self-esteem, on how we feel about ourselves, on how we navigate the world. So it's really important to, to make, to be conscious in these choices of who you are allowing to enter your life. So that's why you have to have that objectivity. You have to get clear on your values, what you want, the type, oh, what a cute dog, <laughs> the type of relationship. He literally just dragged the second chair over so that he could come sit with me. He's so cute. <laughs> Hi, you Berkeley. need to get clear on, on what kind of life you want for yourself. And, you know, it takes just yeah. being honest and being self-aware. Again, it's like one of the most important traits you can develop. Absolutely. I get a lot of questions from my anxious daters about how to not overthink and obsess over someone in the early stages, like the first few dates, maybe like dates one to three, one to five. And a lot of relationship experts and influencers who talk about dating um, are encouraging people to date multiple people at a time Mm -hmm. to not get hung up on the one. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because I know that a, it can be really difficult for people to find the time to date multiple people. Mm -hmm. It can be difficult for people to even get multiple matches or dates. I know for me, it's something that like I struggled with. Like if I liked somebody, I wanted to focus on them, you know, like sometimes I'd be going on dates with a few different people at a time, but I never actually like liked any of them. It was all like, Oh, well on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Um, but what do you suggest in that situation, but also in general for how to not obsess over someone so early on? Oh my gosh, I have lots to say about this. Uh, all like my viral TikToks are, are usually around this topic. So it's something that Amazing. a lot of people struggle with on obsessing. Yeah. First, in terms of dating multiple people at once, I am a proponent of that. But caveat is, again, it comes back to self-awareness and what's going to work for you. There were periods in my life where I remember, and I, I'm very introverted. So dating in general was like very hard for me. I really had to push myself. 
But when, when you'd have those weeks where you have so many dates, you're just like, wait, did I tell this person that story? And who did I tell what to? And where, where is I at? So that could get confusing. But I think not, it's not so much actually going, physically going on the dates. It's very important to still keep your options open. I mentioned earlier how I married my high school ex-boyfriend and I had liked him for so many years. And then when he asked me out again, I was terrified. I was terrified I was going to screw this up. I'm like, I finally have this chance again. And so you know what? I kept the doors open for other guys and there were like two or three other guys I was still talking to I hadn't actually gone out with one of them lived in Atlanta like and we were just like talking on the phone another one we were trying to coordinate and I I kept like I was still active on like the apps and I was still going out with my friends and scoping out you know even though I was like oh no I'm sold I'm sold on this guy I wanted to work with him I forced myself to not only like keep my options open but to really spend time mentally considering each possibility because I felt such terror at screwing things up. I was like, I'm not going to do this again because I've done this too many times before. So instead I actually sat down and I visualized all the ways things could go. Option one, it'll work out with him. Great. That's what I've wanted for 11 years. Option two, maybe I'll date this guy who lives in Atlanta and that'd be great. And maybe I could, I'll fly there and he'll fly here. We'll have this like great relationship and that would be fun. Maybe this other guy, or maybe I'll just be single for a while longer. And that's fine. I loved being single at that point in my life. I was at the top of my game. I had such great friends. I was living in the city. I was traveling and my career was going great. I could do this for a while longer. And I really allowed myself to be okay with any of the options. And that stopped me from becoming so invested in one option. Because when you're so invested in one option, you have a lot to lose. And when you have yeah. a lot to lose, you become worried and you become stressed and you become anxious. And those feelings, they multiply and they magnify and they, they just build upon each other. And then you just can't relax. You can't just be. You're on high alert for a bad sign. Oh, he went two days without texting me, but he used to text me like, you know, throughout the day. So something must have happened. I must have done something. What did I do? I need to go replay our interactions. And it sends you spiraling. So that's the first thing. So for me, it was very helpful to have a, have a few guys up on deck. If totally. somebody feels like this is emotionally exhausting, this is draining, then don't do that. So instead, you want to focus on the person you're dating. That's fine. But also mentally be okay with it might not work out. And if it doesn't yeah. work out, I will be completely fine. In terms of the obsessing in the beginning of a relationship, this is a really important one because a lot of people don't realize why it happens. And it can happen for a few reasons. One reason we become so obsessed with certain people is because of what they represent to us. A lot of the time we latch on to certain people because we kind of want to be them. You can become obsessed with someone because they're charismatic, they're confident, this person's so good looking, this person is so successful. And deep down, you want that. And you kind of latch on to someone with those traits because it's easier than developing all of that within yourself. So if you find you're getting swept up with a fantasy and you're obsessing, ask yourself, okay, what do I like about this person? Well, I like, okay, he's charming, he's charismatic. Okay, how can I be more charming and charismatic? So a lot of the time, it's what we're missing within ourselves. Another part of it is that you're just getting carried away in a fantasy and it's probably saving you from something. What is it saving me from? Am I bored? Am I scared of ending up alone? Do all my friends have boyfriends and I see this guy as an opportunity to also have a boyfriend and be in the elite like boyfriend club? Do I feel like uh, unsettled in my life? Is this guy a distraction? Is he gonna just distract me from the fact that I don't like my career? I don't know what I wanna do with my life. Is he saving me? Is he just providing some excitement? Is he... A representation of my unhealed trauma. This is another one. Does he 
represent the type of guy that I typically tend to go for. So you have to look at, it, it, the fact is you have to realize that you can't possibly know someone well enough in the beginning to actually love them. We, we like to say, oh, he's my soulmate, he's my twin flame or whatever, whatever label you put on it. But I don't even know him yet. How can I possibly know that? I'm projecting things onto him. So what am I projecting and why? Really like the title of my book is you're overthinking it because we get so caught up in the details that don't matter. And what we should yeah. be thinking about is what am I doing and why am I doing this? It really is like about redirecting your thought. Why am I getting so drawn to this person? Why am I becoming so obsessed and getting to the root of, of what it is, where it stems from? Yeah, I think a, a few things you said that I'm just like, yeah, like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> the first being like, you know, this concept of you'll be okay if it doesn't work out. And mm -hmm. that's something that I try and remind my friends. And I tried to remind myself all the time where it's like, okay, I went on two dates with this person. I'm now like, convincing myself I'm gonna die if they don't want to <laughs> date me. Like right. I did, I literally did not know them a week and a half ago. And two and a half weeks ago, I had never heard of their name. And I was okay. I was a full, complete person before them. And I will be a full and complete person after them if it doesn't work out. Yes, yes, exactly. And another part of this, a really good exercise is to really play therapist with yourself when you get stuck in that anxious loop. So you're thinking, okay, I really want it to work out. This person I really want to, I really want him to like me. It seems like he doesn't, he's not texting me back. Then you ask yourself, okay, and then what will happen? Well, I'll, I'll be really sad. I'll be really upset. Okay, and you're then not going to spontaneously combust. Exactly. Like most people get stuck there. They don't keep going. So, and then what will happen? Well, you know, I'll be really upset and I'll feel bad about myself. Okay, and then what will happen? Well, eventually I'll get over it. I'll pick myself up. I'll be fine. And nobody gets to that that level because we stop at, oh my god, he's not, he's he's not texting me. He's losing interest. He must be with somebody else. Like what did I do? We don't go to the and then what? Because eventually. When you question yourself and you dig into that, you are always going to land in the place of, I'll get over it and I'll be okay. Yeah, no matter the situation. Exactly, exactly. So you have to, again, it comes down to challenging, challenging what you think, challenging how you feel. Yeah, I also really like what you said about, you know, when you were single and you really liked somebody, but you still would like go out with your friends and have other things going on. I think it's so important to like, if you want to not date multiple people at the same time, that's fine. There are still other ways to not put all of your eggs in this one person's basket by making sure all the eggs are in your basket and making sure yes. your life is full and whole. And there are things you like to do and you're not just dropping these things that you love and these other people in your life because you're just holding your breath for like them to ask you out. Yes, absolutely. I always say that obsession grows in vacant space. So what's the emptiness? And what do I need to fill it with? Look at yeah. your life overall. Are you, is your bucket filled in all areas? Are you, you know, do you have hobbies that you pursue? Are you exercising? Are you getting your social needs met? Are you challenging yourself? Are you challenging yourself to grow? Are you satisfied in your career? Are there things that you want to be doing? Like, look at your life overall. What's missing? The obsession comes from that emotional void. So you have to figure out what it is and fill it yourself. Yeah. And, and that's definitely something that I think many of us are guilty of not mm -hmm. doing and yeah. not really learning who we are and why we're amazing and why we are the way we are. And it's so important to do that work, whether it's in therapy or through self-help books or podcasts or what, however you do it in mm -hmm. order to really know who you are and know 
what you have to offer when going into relationships. Exactly. And there's so many amazing outlets for it in this day and age. Like I just did a breathwork class two weeks ago and it was unbelievable. I learned so much about myself from being in that room and everyone was there. Like, what am I going to gain from breathing for an hour? I was so good. And now people like meditating has become cool. That used to be a weird thing. Like people who meditated are like, oh, you're like some weird like tree hugger. Like who meditates? That was a weird thing. Now it's like people brag about meditating. Like they brag about waking up early and going to the gym. People are like, ah, meditate for 30 minutes say it's like whoa that's that's amazing there's self-help right now is it's cool it's cool to be working on yourself it is and there's so many resources and people that you could follow and if you're single and you're frustrated about being single this is what i want to say to you as a mother of three small children this is your time. You will never, ever have this time again to com- focus completely on yourself, to be completely self-absorbed, to fully immerse yourself in your needs, in your psyche, in your psychology, in how to better yourself. This is your chance. And when it's gone, you're never going to get it back. Like you, know, Even just the first stage, being with a partner. Okay, now I have somebody else's needs to think about and someone else's emotions and their mood and we play off each other and it affects each other. And then when you start having kids, oh my gosh, like there, there's so many open tabs in your head and you are last on the list, you know? It's so important to not be last on the list. And, and it's a struggle for me every day, like to do things. This is what I learned in the breathwork class actually also. <laughs> that was like the main, what I mainly came out of it with was that, what do I even do for myself anymore? It's all about, you know, I'm last on like the hierarchy. So embrace this. Like it's a season and this is your, this is your season, the season of you. And sometimes I I like wish I could like go back and redo some of that phase because it was so imperative and transformational and you're not going to get it back. So enjoy it. I could not agree more. And I feel like if you asked any person who's in a relationship or engaged or married, Mm -hmm. like, what their regrets are from their dating experience, I'm sure nine out of 10 of them would say, I wish I enjoyed being single more because we spend our entire singlehood worrying about like, well, will it work out? Will we find that person? Where will we find that person? How will we find that person? Mm -hmm. Have we already met this person or have we not yet? And if we all just had the mindset of like, it's going to work out, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We'd be so much better off and we'd actually get to enjoy it. I agree. And I want to add to that. If I could go back, I wish I could redate my husband again, like the beginning phases. Yeah. And there's, it's just, all you have is the potential ahead of you of like, is this going to last? Is this going to go all the way? As much as I really did get myself under control and had come a long way from how I used to be, there was still that part of me that was like, that had some of those fears that would crop up. Or sometimes I was just so eager to get to the next phase. Like, when are we getting engaged already? When is the wedding going to be? And and just like racing through the steps. And I wish I had just enjoyed the beginning because the beginning is so magical and it's so short-lived. And it's the same thing. Like yeah. once it's gone, you're never getting it back. You enter a better phase, a more established phase of comfort and stability and security but there is something really fun about the instability phase. Of, like, <laughs> when is he going to call well, me his girlfriend? When yeah, are we really won't we? Ah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just such an exciting time. And I feel like, again, you have to get to that place of if it works out, great. If not, I'll be okay. And I'm just going to be present and in the moment with this person. Because that's how you form a connection. And when you stress you can't form that connection because you're not interacting with the person in front of you. You're interacting with the worried thoughts in your own mind. So you're not there. You're not present and you can't connect that way. Yeah, exactly. 
I have a whole list of questions in front of me, but I'm just going to ask you one of them. And then I have one final question to close this off, but I've been seeing a lot of social media content about this one thing. And I need to know your thoughts and, and there's no right or wrong answer, but like, I'm, I'm curious what your opinion is. Do guys marry the person in front of them when they're ready? That's a good question. And I kind of am leaning towards yes. <laughs> like I think I guys don't have such a exhaustive checklist of what they want like women do. All a guy really wants in a woman is a woman who is easy to be around. And do not misinterpret this to mean because I already see it easy coming. Easy to get, like, easy. It does like, not mean that you yeah. can't ever be in a bad mood or have a bad need. It means that overall it just feels good. It feels good. It feels comfortable. It feels like home. It feels at ease that's all he really wants in a woman. Like men are not that complicated. That's actually the first ebook I ever wrote. It's called he's not that complicated because that was the biggest epiphany of all. They're not that complicated. So I, like I said earlier about the brick wall and the bowl of water, if he's not in a place where he could be in a relationship, you could be anyone. You could be Giselle Bunchen. You could be the most amazing woman in the entire world. He's not going to commit. But once he decides, once he makes that decision, like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to settle down and get married. And you're there and you're fundamentally compatible. He's attracted to you. Like, like those things need to be aligned. It can't just be like, right. It's not like, oh, oh, like this girl wants to date me. So yeah, let's go get hitched. It's like, you you still got to like, you got to like each other, get along, like have things progress, connect. Right. And it doesn't mean that she's the most beautiful woman that he's ever dated. It doesn't mean that she's, you know, that he's more chemistry with her than anybody else. It means that. All right, she has, she she checks the chemistry, compatibility. She's easy to be around. Okay, I'm ready to get married. Done. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Last one for you. Mm-hmm. What is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received? Oh my God, that's a hard question. I think that the best dating advice I've ever received was from those guys that night, that night that changed my life when I, that, when I got dumped by a guy calling me thinking that he was calling some other girl, which was, it's not complicated. It, it's, it's not. The best dating advice I received is when you have to ask, you already know the answer. You just wish you didn't. And, and that's it. Like we already know the truth. I, I don't think I've ever gotten a question around a lot over the years or been in a coaching session where someone didn't know the answer already. They just kind of have to hear it from someone else. And when it feels so complicated, it's just not right for you. And the second best advice is you have to work on yourself. And it's so easy to say. And like, we all know this. I'm not like sharing breaking news here, but it's like, it's like, we all know that you need to drink a lot of water every day. Like, do we all drink as much water as we're supposed to? Probably not. No, we do not. (laughs) We all know like all the benefits. We all know that. Okay. Like if you want a better digestion and not to bloat and to look younger, like you need to drink more water. Most of us aren't doing it. And so the working on yourself, like as I get older, I realize you're not just going to wake up one day all whole and healed. You're not. If you don't deal with things, you will wake up middle-aged and you could still feel like a teenager sometimes because you just have not processed like that, the things you've experienced. And you might still act like a teenager in your relationships. I see this all the time. Yeah. And so you have to work. It's it's just not going to work itself out someday. And I think that was something I thought for a very long time until I realized, oh, wow, like, no, these problems don't go away, you know? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes facing things you don't want to face, but it is absolutely worth it. And you will be so much better off for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
it's a must. It, it just yeah. is. Yeah. Sabrina, thank you so, so much for being here. Where can people find your book? Where can people find you? Um, well, thanks for having me. This is really so exciting to be here. I've followed you for a while, so this is awesome. Um, you can find me at TikTok and Instagram at Sabrina Bendori. My book is available on Amazon, on iBooks, and through my publisher shop catalog. Um, and all the links are in my bios on Instagram and TikTok. Amazing. And- you guys really have to get this book. Like, it's just such a practical guide to like chilling the fuck out. <laughs> It's how I would. You could, so that could be your quote. That could be the, the new review quote on the back of it. I believe that. Can I make that your blurb? Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, that is what it is. I'll have all that linked in the show notes. Um, but seriously, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that everyone gets to hear this and gets to learn from you. Me too. Thank you. Amazing, right? Thank you guys for listening. Go follow Sabrina. Go order her book. Trust me on this one. And if you have not given a five-star rating and review, please, please, please do. And I love you guys. I will see you next time.